This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Today on CityCast Pittsburgh. One way or another, change is coming in Allegheny County because Tuesday is Election Day. The polls are open from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. And we're here to walk you through the region's biggest races, what's at stake and why the nation's top political wonks may be tuned into Pittsburgh on Tuesday. Plus, we've got a special treat at the very end. It's November 3rd, an election news roundup. I'm Megan Harris, and here's what Pittsburgh is talking about. I'm with two CityCast producers today, Mallory Falk. Hello. Hi, and Sophia Lowe. Good morning. Good morning. And our newest face joining us from under a quilt in her house, Mary Lee Williams, is hanging out behind the scenes. Mary Lee, we are so glad to have you on the team. Hi, I'm very excited to be here, Megan. <laughs> uh, folks will get to know you more in the coming weeks, but I, what's one maybe fun, very Pittsburgh fact about you? You know, just a tease for the next couple of months. Well, it's pretty funny. I don't know if it's fun. I have... <laughs> been in the Allegheny River, but it was no. not intentionally. <laughs> and you survived? I Well, I launched my bike like E.T. style into the river, but that is all the details I will give you guys right now. And maybe you'll get to hear the full story soon. I've been the beneficiary of this full story. Trust me, it's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Mary Lee is going to listen and lurk while the rest of us try to chat through all of this election news. Sophia, do you have an election plan yet? Yes, I do. I'm going to walk over, vote in person, then eat some Halloween candy. The first election I remember, I went with my mom to the polls and I was like very small child. And someone, I assume a poll worker, gave me uh, candy. So I think in my little kid brain that really solidified voting is good. You get your little treats. I'll get my little <laughs> sticker. Mallory, what about you? Any traditions for how you typically spend an election day? I mean, similarly, I walk to my neighborhood polling place and hope for the sticker. Some years I haven't gotten it. I and never I've definitely get a never received never candy. Yeah. I love that, though. I'm going <laughs> to steal the candy idea for my own kids. That's that's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, I will, I guess, see what my polling place has to offer. Um, and then, of course, I will be with our full team on election night, eating election night pizza and waiting for the returns to roll in. The classic uh, election night tradition for reporters. I am very much looking forward to the pizza. I don't think we have consensus yet for where we're ordering. So if you have strong opinions about pizza, please let us know. Also, Gans, I'm very sorry about my voice. This 75 degree weather down to snow a few days later is really like throwing me for a loop. Well, Megan, nothing a little um, late night pizza can't cure. 
Totally. Um, we're going to be recording so late that day to get something fresh in your feed on Wednesday morning. Um, but the election, it's here. We're going to talk about a few key races and for each of them, what the official does or is supposed to do, who's running for that position, and then anything unusual about the race, the candidates, or the stakes this year. Let's start with the Allegheny County Chief Executive. Bless you, Mary Lee, for discovering this morning that the official title is actually Chief Executive and that there's an age requirement that was totally new to me. Yeah, I was not aware of this either, that you have to be 25 by the time you get into office. Uh, Mary Lee checked the county charter on this. Thanks for this uh, fun little tidbit to start off our election coverage. (laughs) So chief means that this person is in charge. Yes, they are the head of county government representing about 1.2 million people. That's the city, the burbs, all of that. Reporter Charlie Wolfson from Public Source actually broke it down for us ahead of the primary in April. The county executive is it's considered one of the most powerful political offices in Pennsylvania, certainly the most powerful in western Pennsylvania. They uh, are, as the name suggests, the chief executive of the Allegheny County government, which like the county jail, the county health department, a budget of billions of dollars a year. So they have the final word and to some extent bear responsibility for other stuff like our county parks, county police, public works, which includes most of our bridges. um, And then, you know, some stuff with the transit systems, too, like Port Authority, that kind of thing. Right. And this person has to work with councils and oversight boards, but sometimes they also get to pick who serves. Yeah. And those board members might actually outlast the executive. Um, The executive can also do all the usual chief stuff like veto legislation, submit a fiscal plan for the county, all of this really critical stuff. And this is going to be the first time in 12 years that someone new is going to hold this office. Rich Fitzgerald, our current county executive, he's term limited. He served three four-year terms in a row. Um, And he's only the third person ever to hold the office at all. Our very first county executive was a Republican, two Democrats since. And I think now folks are wondering if a Republican could maybe win again. So let's get into the candidates. Yes. So first, former Democratic state representative Sarah Inamorato. She calls herself a pragmatic progressive. Um, She was a member of the Democratic Socialists for a while, but says she doesn't really align with their values as much anymore. Before politics, she worked in the nonprofit sector. And while she was in the state house, she represented parts of Pittsburgh, Aetna and Millvale. She's campaigned really hard the last few months on affordable housing, clean air and water and expanding access to health care and mental health care services. And then there's Joe Rocky. He's the Republican candidate. He's a former executive at PNC Bank who's talked a lot about his upbringing um, and his reliance at the time on our social safety net, which he says that he's going to work really hard to preserve. At PNC, he was a risk officer, which I think is sort of an interesting position going into something like county executive. In his speeches, he's talked a lot about how visible our city's homelessness problem has become, property blight and public safety. He calls himself a moderate who would not support Trump in 2024. Um, But he's been asked a bunch if he supported the former president in 2016 and 2020. And I don't think he's ever actually confirmed who he voted for. Yeah, I mean, at least from what I've read, he kind of refuses to answer that question of whether he voted for Trump in those previous elections. Which is Um, fine. You can refuse. You don't have to tell anybody who you voted for. It's part of the democratic process. 
I guess that's true, but also he wants to be a public official. I think knowing his track record could be important. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) But, you know, aside from the power this position holds, this race could also mean a lot for politics in the region. And Mallory, you shared a Washington Post story about our county exec race with us this week. Um, So what are they saying nationally? Why is this local government race getting this kind of attention? Yeah, I mean, the political wonks seem to think that this race has big implications for the progressive movement, at least here in western Pennsylvania, but maybe well beyond this region. Uh, The Washington Post story suggested it was a good harbinger for the 2024 presidential election, though that seems to be partly because there weren't any bigger races in battleground states to watch this cycle. Right. So if Sarah wins county executive, local progressive Democrats could get a nice, powerful feather in their cap with Democrat Ed Ganey in office, Representative Summer Lee. Um, But if it's rocky, which it absolutely could be, the county skews much more Republican than the city, um, there's going to be a Republican moderate for the city administration to contend with. Okay, next up, another key race this election cycle is district attorney. Yeah, we've talked a little bit about the DA race on this show before, but if you missed it, the district attorney is the chief prosecutor and they would represent the Allegheny County government. And uh, the DA has a really big impact on issues like cash bail and sentencing. Uh, They can also redirect people away from the criminal justice system and connect them to resources and programs that treat substance abuse and mental health. So the candidates are... Uh, So there's Matt Dugan. He's been with the Allegheny County Office of the Public Defender. He's held multiple roles there, first as trial attorney. Uh, Most recently, he was the chief public defender. He's the challenger. Yes. And he is going up against Stephen Zappala, who has been the DA for Allegheny County since 1998. That's longer than I've been alive. I was going to I was curious about that, but I wasn't going (laughs) to (laughs) ask. So, yeah, DA races don't usually get a ton of the spotlight during the election season, but it's different this time around. Yeah, Zappala's ads that have been running during Steelers games. I know that's not no one on this call is is into that, but they've been kind of wild. They show footage of alleged crime in San Francisco and Philly, and then they flash to Pittsburgh streets with this implication that something shady is also happening here. Like I'm used to the comparisons between other left-leaning cities, but all I've seen on camera here lately is dirty sidewalks and unhoused people that it feels like we should be helping. I don't know what point he's trying to prove. It's also interesting because he's the the one in power and in charge now. So if he's seem- yeah, trying who is to he criticizing that himself? there's issues with Pittsburgh, <laughs> yeah, it's I, like this ad would make much more sense coming from a challenger, an outside challenger. But what Pittsburgh looks like right now is partly, you know, it's a reflection of the folks who have been in office for many, many years, including him. Exactly. Yeah. I read Zapala contracted a Republican firm to help with those, uh, which also brings us to why he's on the ballot like this in the first place. For the last 25 years, he's been a Democrat and Dugan actually beat him for the Democratic nomination. But Zapala got enough write-ins from Republicans. Uh, so he's staying on the ballot now. It is bizarre watching Zapala actually try to win, sort of. I think he's trying. It seems like he's trying at least more than he has in recent elections. And uh, much like the county executive race, this race has picked up attention nationally, um, including a lot of outside funding. Uh, Dugan, in particular, has gotten a lot of money from outside of the county. 
Yeah, a pack backed by billionaire George Soros gave almost $1.9 million to fund Dugan's TV ads and mailers. Uh, that figure was reported by WESA and former presidential candidate Andrew Yang endorsed Stephen Zappala. You can hear more about those investments on our episode with public sources Charlie Wolfson. We'll link that in our show notes. And so the stakes with this one, it seems like there's a lot kind of hinging on it with our criminal justice system. Yeah, So Zapala is positioning himself as someone who's going to be tougher on crime. He called himself a law and order Democrat and Dugan's the more progressive candidate and he wants to see more reform. Uh, Thinking about those attack ads and downtown, Megan, uh, Zapala says there's not enough enforcement and there should be more community engagement, especially from the side of elected officials. Uh, Meanwhile, Dugan's prioritizing, quote, targeted enforcement of open air drug transactions. And one thing he wants to do is create a magisterial district judge for downtown. He says that would create more consistency in how they handle cases. I mean, if Zapala wanted to be more engaged, couldn't he do that from his current office? Like, isn't that still like part of the conversation? I think that's a question for him. (laughs) Anyway, these are just two of the biggest races here in the county. We're also guaranteed some new blood in the county controller and county treasurer's offices. And please check your ballot. County Council Districts 2, 5, 6, 10, 11, and 13 are all at stake here. Our Hey Pittsburgh newsletter editor, Francesca DeBecco, did a magnificent job rounding up voting guides to all of these races and more. So please check them out at pittsburgh.citycast.fm. Hey, Pittsburgh, I want to tell you about a real Steel Town hero. Mary Cardwell Dawson was just the coolest. Not only was she the proprietess of that gorgeous Victorian mansion on Apple Street in Homewood, but inside it, she presided over the National Negro Opera Company. She founded guilds for other Black singers all over the nation, and she was a mentor for fellow opera singers from here to Washington, D.C. And lucky for you, our modern Pittsburgh opera has a show celebrating her legacy. Get your tickets now for The Passion of Mary Cardwell Dawson. It's at the Bayam Theater through May 5th. And don't be nervous if you're new to opera. The show is in English. It's just over an hour and features a little dialogue for folks to follow along. Tickets start at just $15, and there are all kinds of discounts and special offers for students, teachers, seniors, and veterans. Get your tickets now in our show notes for the Pittsburgh Opera. That's at pittsburghopera.org. Before we move on to the state, one more question for Allegheny County. A ballot question. Yeah, you won't just be voting on people this election cycle. There is also this ballot question um, about whether you think county council members should get a salary. I mean, county council members are paid. It's just not a salary and not a lot, I think. Yeah, exactly. So according to WESA, currently county council members get a per meeting stipend. Um, The maximum that these members can get is $10,939. And they get this if they attend the majority of meetings. So 20 out of 24. So an annual $11,000-ish if they do their job completely. Exactly, exactly. And so the ballot question would basically just make the stipend an annual salary that you get kind of regardless of meeting attendance. And it can't increase more than 5% over five years. Say that five times fast. (laughs) (laughs) So are county council members miffed about how they're being paid right now? 
So Bob Macy, who's on the council and sponsored the bill, he says that the current stipend just doesn't account for all the additional work council members have to do, you know, going to hearings, meeting with constituents, more things like that. Um, He points to this 2016 report from the county's government review commission that recommended at the time that county council members receive a salary instead of a stipend. And he says that, uh, you know, this would bring Allegheny County in line with other municipalities that pay a salary rather than a stipend. I tried to see if I could find some kind of master list to figure out which is more common for county councilors to get a salary or a stipend, um, but I struck out. So if anybody out there knows of one, please send it our way because I am curious in general um, how this works in other counties. Yeah, definitely. Um, So the flip side, is there any reason that they shouldn't be getting more money? I feel like everyone everywhere always wants to make more money for the work they do. True. County councilors just have the power to try to affect that change on their own. And like 5% over five years isn't a ton, especially for a base figure like $11,000. Yeah. So at least one counselor, Bethany Hallam, opposes it. She says the stipend encourages members to show up to meetings. Um, You know, she told WESA that County counselors already get some freebies, some meetings they can miss and still get their full pay for the year. So if you take that kind of requirement away, then really what's the incentive for people to not skip out on more meetings? Got it. Um, You know, Macy says people will still be held accountable if they don't show up for meetings because they won't get reelected. I don't buy that at all. That's complete nonsense. Most people don't pay attention. They don't even know they have a county counselor. I was just going to say that doesn't seem like quite the same accountability measure as uh your pay actually getting affected. Yeah, I have never thought to check whether my county counselor shows up to meetings, but I do want them to go. Well, maybe this is a call to everybody, regardless of what the voters decide next Tuesday. Start checking into your county counselor's attendance record. And your legislators and your senators. It's a a little upsetting sometimes to realize how many times they skip out on votes. Yeah, exactly. But uh, this will be on our ballots next week. Council voted 11 to 3 to put the question to voters. So it's up to us to decide. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. We've also got some statewide races. Probably the most important one that's getting the most attention is for state Supreme Court. I have never had a vote for a judge before. I've voted in New Jersey and the governor nominates the judges there and then those nominees get confirmed by state Senate and the court system is complicated. There are a lot of courts. So I just (laughs) wanted to shout out this chart from the PA courts website that Mary Lee showed me. We'll link it in the show notes, but it's this pyramid that shows you which courts have more power, how many judges are in each court, what the purpose of each court is. So I found that super helpful. Yeah. And if you're not familiar, the state Supreme Court is the highest court in the state. It's pretty critical because of the power of this body. In a sense, it's kind of like the head of the judiciary dragon. Um, The state Supreme Court makes decisions that impact elections, your health care and more. And this is a race to fill an open seat on the seven seat judicial body. So not a lot of people rotating on and off a lot of the time. 
Spotlight PA has a great breakdown of this race that runs through some of the more consequential decisions the state Supreme Court has made in the past few years um, since it flipped and became majority Democrat in 2015. Um, We've talked on the show before about the lawsuit over Pennsylvania's school funding system. So this court allowed that to go to trial. These judges commissioned a new congressional map to replace one they said had been gerrymandered. And they also upheld no excuse mail voting, you know, allowing people to vote by mail without needing a specific reason after Republican officials challenged the law. So this court really has the final word on a lot of critical legal questions in our state. Thank you both. And thanks again to the chart I mentioned for more clarification (laughs) on what this court does. Uh, So with all that in mind, let's get into the candidates for the one open seat. Right. So this particular race is between Republican Carolyn Carluccio and Democrat Dan McCaffrey. Carluccio is the president judge of the Montgomery County Court of Common Pleas. And McCaffrey is a superior court judge, which if you're wondering what superior court is, it is one step below the state Supreme Court and handles mostly civil and criminal appeals. The court has a four to two Democratic majority right now. That's the state Supreme Court. So this race is being seen as critical again because of that upcoming 2024 presidential election and all the anticipated court challenges that could follow the election. Yeah, there was a really good article in the Philadelphia Inquirer about some of the battles that made it to the state Supreme Court during the last presidential election. You know, battles about mail ballots, ballot drop boxes, false claims about voter fraud. And so if there are similar fights and challenges in 2024, this court will play a critical role again. Right. And Pennsylvania is a swing state. So like we saw in 2020, the results here can really determine who becomes president. So these state Supreme Court decisions really matter, not just here in Pennsylvania, but potentially nationally. Um, And something to note here, Carluccio told the Inquirer that Act 77, which is the law that allows for no excuse mail voting, is the law and she'll uphold it. Um, But according to the AP, she's also said that it's been, quote, very bad for our Commonwealth and would welcome a challenge to that law to come in front of her. Um, In that same Inquirer article, McCaffrey declined to comment on mail ballot cases. You know, he said as a judge, he can't speak about issues that might appear in front of him. Um, But he also said that that mail-in voting law, quote, was passed with broad bipartisan support and is designed to encourage voter participation. And one more thing to keep in mind, um, abortion access is a key issue in basically every race everywhere right now. Um, There aren't any abortion related decisions on the table in Pennsylvania now, but that specter is kind of always out there. Um, Candidate endorsements fall along pretty expected lines right now. Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation and Pro-Life Coalition of Pennsylvania both endorsed Carluccio and Planned Parenthood of Pennsylvania endorsed McCaffrey. So that's a little bit about that race. I think that's a big one people have their eyes on. But I just want to once again plug Francesca's Guide to Election Guides. There are other judicial races on the ballot. There are other judicial ballot questions. Uh, So definitely check it out uh, to get informed on all of the statewide races that might show up at the polls this year. Yeah, and there's definitely more information about the races we covered here if you still have more questions. So one final very critical note for all voters, check your polling place before Tuesday. The polls open at 7 a.m. and they close at 8 p.m. And if you're voting by mail, now's the time to get your ballot in as well. And before we go, uh, one special thing, a huge note of thanks to all of our listeners, because today, Friday, is actually our 412th episode. 
412. <laughs> it's so Pittsburgh of us to celebrate a number like 412. <laughs> um, we're very proud to be your conduit to local news and for stuff to do. Um, and to celebrate, we're actually hosting a happy hour next week at Trace Brewing in Bloomfield. It's from 5 to 7 p.m. And the first 20 people there will get a drink of your choice on us. It can be non-alcoholic. Um, you just got to prove that you subscribe uh, to our Hey Pittsburgh newsletter or be willing to sign up right there in front of us. Um, and with that said, after the show, please enjoy an incredible gift that one of our more devoted listeners shared with us earlier this week. Um, it would probably help if you've ever seen an episode of the show Parks and Rec. Truly, this is worth tuning in to the end for. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. Our music is by Benji. The production team this week includes Mallory Falk, Sophia Lowe, Mary Lee Williams, and Lizzie Goldsmith. Francesca DeBecco writes our newsletter, and Adrian Gonzalez stepped in to edit. I'm your host, Megan Harris. We'll be back on Monday with more news from around the city. Make your voting plan, please. And have a great weekend, everyone. And good evening. This is Perd Happily. Today's story is about a story that has been told exactly 412 times. And that number is interesting because it's also the area code of Pittsburgh. Coincidence? Well, yes, it probably is. I want to send a big hearty congratulations to the staff of the CityCast Pittsburgh podcast on reaching their 412th episode. To Megan, Mallory, Francesca, and Sophia, the fact that you've reached this milestone means you've done it. And by it, I mean the job of recording and sharing 412 episodes. Well done, and keep on sharing the news of Pittsburgh. This has been Purred with words about numbers. You heard? Congrats.